I really don't know how to start this podcast episode because I have been gone. I have been gone for a few months now, since April, in fact. And if I count them out with my little fingies, that definitely gives me more than just a few weeks. <laughs> and it feels odd to start out the pod with a joke of like, oh my God, guess who's been gone or guess who's back, which I could do. I've done that in the past, but... This time around, the lack of my presence and my being gone was definitely more unexpected than I think usual. Because I do know that when June to August, when that time of year rolls around, typically for most of the world, it's summertime. Here where I live in Panama, it's more so our rain season, our like tropical winter. So it's very gloomy just rainy months. Imagine Twilight, Forks, Washington. That's what we look like during those months. It's very, very sad weather. And it's juxtaposed by very sunny, very heaty weather. So there is no in-between. It's either it's humid and really, really rainy and thunderstormy, or you just get humidity and heat, but there's just nothing to kind of soften the blow. And I know that when this time of year rolls around, I go through what I like to call my yearly existential crisis. Every single year, I know that from June to August, it's going to be, as we say, rough for me and that I'm not going to have the best time because I will question my existence, what it means to be here my capacities, my abilities, the decisions I have made up until now, the mistakes I could have potentially made, and I question my entire existence. So when I say existential crisis, I don't say that lightly. I do mean that with all of the heaviness that it that it merits. And so this year, I thought it would be different because... I had been planning a trip to London. Previous to that, I had gone to Miami and I felt like I had set myself up for success. One of my yearly goals was to travel at least three times this year to, you know, get out of my city, my country, my home, and to reacquaint myself with that part of myself that I used to very much cherish before traveling was no longer an option for a bit there, if you know what I mean. And what I didn't take into account was that after coming back from Miami and having one of the most restful trips I have ever had, that I would be going to a maxillofacial and getting diagnosed with a temporomandibular disorder and bruxism. Two conditions that sadly, to my detriment, rely heavily on stress and anxiety and, you know, sometimes stress could be isolated from anxiety. Sometimes it is a result of my anxiety. And sometimes my anxiety is a result of my stress. And they feed off of each other like fucking heathens. And right off the get-go, it was not a great time. Also, as somebody who talks for a living, quite literally, it is probably the worst diagnostic I could have ever gotten. It was world-shattering, world-altering, and extremely painful, to be honest. I 
went to Miami. I had a great time. I did some book shopping. If you guys saw the weekly vlog that I put up on my YouTube channel, then you know that it was exactly what I wanted and needed out of that trip. The book shopping was phenomenal. I had visited family while I was there and everything about the trip was just immensely healing. And I came back to Panama and suddenly I couldn't sleep because the pain in my jaw was awful and I couldn't tell whether the pain was isolated to only my jaw, if it was coming from my teeth, but I felt like my teeth were sensitive, my jaw was clicking and the jaw clicking was not really like a new thing. My jaw had been clicking for two years at that point, which funnily enough, naively enough, I thought, would fix itself because a lot of the time apparently it does and so I was just fully trusting my body on this one and I kept telling myself like Mel it's fine you know the body will do its thing and like it'll just pop back into place and it won't pop and lock again except that it never actually healed it never actually went back into its place and it got extremely painful by the time I came back from my trip I, again, could not find a right position to lie in at night. I couldn't just find a spot. Sometimes eating food was difficult because food was hard or I had to open my mouth too much in order to, like, properly, like, chew. I know it's, like, very TMI, too much information, but it, it was, you know, a part of, of the daily routine at that point where I had to postpone live shows or cancel live shows or put ice on my jaw just so that I could figure out how to navigate something I'd never experienced. Uh, push comes to shove, I end up going to a maxillofacial because I was also being stubborn at that point. And I was like, I don't need to go to a doctor. No, Mel, you fucking do. And that was the first thing. My 23rd year was just like, ah, you want to deal with your medical anxiety? Let's go full on, Mel. Let's just throw it all down the line. And so go to a maxillofacial. I'm diagnosed with, again, a temporal mandibular disorder, bruxism, which is basically teeth clenching, with nerve damage, muscle wear and tear, and wear down on my teeth. And so began a game of trial and error, because although I was diagnosed pretty quick, because there was no mistaking what I was going through, the treatment was perhaps not as intuitive, it wasn't as fast at first, because it got worse before it got better. I got a custom mouth guard made because we knew that I needed that because of my bruxism. And so the first 10 days of that are always going to be painful because your bite is readjusting because also my, my bite was off center. And so the bite is readjusting. Sometimes it's for the worse. And so it was constantly going to the maxillofacial at first so that the mouth guard actually fit properly, that it was doing what it needed to do. And so that obviously ends up affecting the jaw. And so physical therapy at the time, as a consequence, was not really paying off that well. It only made it hurt more than it actually helped. And so it was kind of ruled out as an option for that time. And after searching for other ways to sort of mitigate pain, stress, anxiety, in order to, as a compound, feel better, I landed on acupuncture. And honestly, it was 
The best decision I made, because after weeks and weeks of going in to get my acupuncture sessions and getting my shots and really learning about how to mitigate stress and anxiety and pain on a daily basis, what to do, what not to do, the supplements I needed to start taking and whatnot, I can officially say that the pain, for the most part, is gone. I have virtually no jaw pain unless I overexert myself, which is just a natural response at that point, but there is no jaw pain. The teeth clenching happens every once in a while, and it's a reflex at this point, so, you know, there's there's not much to do on that end except just keep wearing the, the mouth guard because it's a for-life thing, you know, both of these things are chronic, and so there's, there's not much to do except adjust the lifestyle, and... There has been loads of adjustments. I can't have coffee every day now, which is probably good for me because then when I do drink it, it actually does what it's supposed to, but had to leave aside certain foods and drinks that were only causing more jaw tension. And at first it was difficult. At first I was in denial because I kept telling myself that it really wouldn't make a big difference, but it does make a big difference. <laughs> and so caffeine now is not drunk every day. I've, I've turned it into like my weekly coffee session, which is fucking funny, honestly, if you think about it. But I literally have my weekly dose of caffeine just one day a week, maybe two times if I'm feeling really good and I don't have a lot of live shows and I just drink my cup of coffee and I enjoy it. I really make sure to enjoy it, drink it slowly and to just bash in all of the goodness of caffeine. But otherwise, not really something I have every day. And then on top of that also, I had to get back into movement because I just also wanted to get out of the house and I wanted to have like that time for me. My job obviously is very stationary, very sedentary, and I had not really moved the way I move now for a while and I wanted to do it. I just couldn't do it by myself because I suck at keeping myself accountable. The truth of the matter is I don't love working out. I don't love going to the gym. There's this TikTok in, in Spanish that says, Todo sea por la salud. Mm, me lo tomo poquito poquito. <laughs> if you guys know that TikTok, then you know exactly what I'm referencing. But it basically translates to everything for the health. I'll just drink it slowly. Very, very slowly. And that's me with the gym. I'm like, listen be it for the health, but otherwise, like, I really don't fucking want to do it. And so I got a personal trainer, and that's also been a part of, like, the new routine, and that in and of itself was also a huge adjustment for me as somebody who has been on this journey of healing my relationship with my body and with food because of my eating disorder working out movement however we want to phrase it was not really something I was ready to do mostly because I had always thought about it in the past as something that I needed to do in order to lose weight in order to achieve a goal and you know not to vilify any of those things if those are your goals then amazing for you but I know that I didn't want to fall back on that mindset because it's just not good for me I was constantly in these cycles of dieting working out losing weight gaining weight and it was it was detrimental for me and it led to a lot of pain and a binge eating disorder and so I knew this time around that when I did get back into movement that I 
wanted to do it because I want my joints to not feel pain or to not creak and crack whenever I stand up and that I wanted to do it because I wanted to release tension and release stress and anxiety and like get out of the house and just start to feel more confident in the skin I am in at the moment and so I got back into it, have a personal trainer, and it's been really good. Again, I don't enjoy it. Don't mistake it. (laughs) Don't forget it. I don't love it, but we're doing it. And honestly, it's made that mitigation once more so much easier and better. And now when I do experience any sort of job pain again, it's typically because I'm overexerting myself and I'm like live streaming 19 hours in a weekend. And it's not great, but it rarely happens (laughs) because I am remembering to be mindful, everybody. And so that was a huge chunk of anywhere between mid-April to literally a month ago. (laughs) And it was it was a lot because the the process alone of getting all of that diagnosed trial and error finding out what works and what doesn't and, and and reacquainting myself with certain aspects of a routine I had before it was stressful in and of itself and so it was a continuous battle of I cannot be stressed and yet we are stressed and we're here and so how do we find a medium of we are not And that process was painful. It was leap depriving. It was very time consuming. It was monetarily exhausting. It was just on all ends a whole, whole lot. And that's a big part of why I was gone. I couldn't live stream for more than a few hours, couldn't, you know, record a podcast for too long before my jaw started hurting. And that was a huge chunk of my last few months. It was just making sure that I got myself to a good mental headspace and it required all of it. It required kind of like that connection of like mind, body, soul and doing that level of I guess soul searching physical searching anything searching it required me to take a step back even though I didn't want to do it but it ended up being a really good decision because as part of my seasonal depressie (laughs) and my existential crises I went through what I call the lack of creativity the fighting the YouTube urge which is I want to push myself to upload a video or to upload several videos a week because the YouTube algorithm will favor me if I do so and my channel will do amazing and nothing will die. And then what the fuck do I upload? Because I really don't want to upload anything because I don't have any ideas right now. And I'm not going to say good ideas because that's very, you know, arbitrary and subjective, but I don't have any ideas at the moment to actually film and edit and put up and that was difficult because I was fighting the mentality that is fostered the rhetoric that is spread around and that hustle mindset I think of the more you upload the better the more you upload the better your channel does the more you upload the more money you make The more you upload, the more the people like you. The more you upload, insert X, Y, Z, 
positive people-pleasing result <laughs> that you could potentially imagine. And let me tell you something. It was awful because I ended up wanting to upload for not right reasons. And I kept trying to remind myself of the usual mantras of doesn't matter if your video doesn't do well, Mel. Doesn't matter if you upload once a week, like once a week is more than enough. It doesn't matter if you didn't achieve, you know, this goal that you had or if that thing didn't happen. I kept trying to remind myself of all of those things, but nothing really was working. And it took me a bit there to realize why it wasn't working. Because I couldn't battle my ego with encouraging words. At least I couldn't. And it took me a few months to completely deconstruct where I was at and to realize that me being in the headspace where I was at was just an ego response. And I didn't want to see myself fail. I didn't want to see my channel perhaps not do as well analytically. I didn't want other people to see that my channel was perhaps not doing as great as it once used to. I didn't want people to see me in my perception of failure, in my perception of like a flop girl era, I didn't want to be perceived that way. And I didn't want to perceive myself that way. And it took me a bit there to get out of that hole, which is why I fully embraced the, you know what, let's upload less. Let's just upload whenever we feel like it. And let's battle ego with logic because you can't cheat logic, right? If something is staring you at the face and you are seeing a very specific result that is not doomsday in the way that, you know, my fatalistic <laughs> anticipatory anxiety brain does. When you are seeing that result with your own two eyes, you can't cheat your way out of that, right? I uploaded less only when I felt like it, only when I felt there was a concept worthy of my time, worthy of you guys' time, and something that ended up just making me feel good in the process of making it instead of it just being something that I put on my to-do list because, oh, I have to get something up. Oh, I have to film something. Oh, I have to be editing. And all of that was also tied to my own perception and my standard of I have to do all of these things in order to be considered a valid creator in order for my job to be considered as something that is valid and something that does take time and it was almost like I had to prove myself to myself in wrong ways and prove myself to others in wrong ways and it was all in all not not a great mindset to be in. And all of that was also exacerbated by the fact that I had gone through several like medical diagnosis treatments. I was feeling very depressy and anxious and stressed. And so all of the feelings were just very amplified. And it really did feel like doomsday. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to sit here <laughs> and lie. And so a lot of the step back was due to, I just have to get out of my own head. I have to get out of my brain and stop feeling like I am entitled to things and like I deserve things just because I am here and I have had a very particular trajectory with this particular job and I want to sustain and maintain that. And 
again, it's all ego based. And I am not a stranger to it because I even went through it when I was doing makeup. I have seen other people be in this mindset, not get out of that mindset. And it's never anything good. And it just brought me back to basics. It brought me back to, Mel, why are you even doing this to begin with? Remind yourself of why you are here. And I am here because I love community. I love seeking like-minded people. I love talking to people who love the same things I do. I love building safe spaces so that people can be fully themselves and make friends and just have a good fun time. And I am proud of the fact that I've been able to build that throughout the years. And that is the reason why I keep doing it because we live in a fucked up world where you look left and right, up and down, and everywhere there's something terrible happening. And if there is any safe haven to be had, if there is any safe spaces to be had, if I can aid in fostering those, then I will. And so it's not so much about the books, which I do love. I do love reading. It's always been about the community and it's about connecting with people and having those one-on-one amazing conversations that you perhaps otherwise wouldn't have. And that is what I thrive in. Like that is what I love. And after loads of negative feelings and frustrations and whatnot, that's what brought me back down to earth. But I genuinely don't think it could have unless I did take time away from as much as I could. And now I'm in a better headspace. I am better medically, thankfully. (laughs) And so we're seeing the sun. We are seeing, well, I'm not seeing the sun because it's fucking cloudy, but I, you know, we're, we're hopefully going to see the sun at some point, but we are seeing the light, the metaphorical, you know, abstract light that we speak of. I, I am starting to see it. And you know, whether it's because I took my time or because it's already fucking September, I am glad that the light is there, bitch, because it was dark for a second. (laughs) It was bad. So, you know, moving on to calmer waters, all very nice to see. And I just want to enjoy my bookie books and make my videos and try some new things that I have been thinking of that I am terrified to put up, not going to lie, but I am ready to kind of step into a new era or whatever. (laughs) It's very exciting, honestly, to feel this excited about creating content again, especially because it did feel kind of hopeless there for a second. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I've said that so many times (laughs) in this episode, but like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, I did not think about hanging the towel because I did, baby girl. Like, I thought about hanging the towel so many times while I was in this mindset because I kept seeing other people, which is why I stopped consuming so much content because I kept seeing other people be so happy in their videos and assumingly, like, so inspired and so excited to just be present and to, you know, have their own sense of community. And it was hard to see that as opposed to my frustration. It was very, I think, sad for me to see a reflection of where I used to be, you know, such a such a while ago (laughs) where I felt so good and compare it to how I was feeling at that moment in time. 
And so I had to stop consuming a bit of content there for a second because it was a huge comparison game of, oh, but look at how happy they look. Look at how well their channel is doing. Look at how this video performed. And, you know, it's it's baseline. You never really know what people are going through behind the camera. You only see a fraction of their lives. So assuming that they are happy with their daily life, with their existence, with their dynamics, it's not a fair thing to assume, I think, at, at no point with no one. And that was, I mean, one thing. And then the other thing is you can't measure or compare your growth to other people's growth, especially in something as abstract as, as YouTube, as social media, where everything is opportunity, hard work, and talent meets luck. Like, there is a luck element to it all. You can't predict whose video, whose channel is going to do well. And so comparing yourself to other people in that way is unfair to you. So all in all, being corporeal, yuck. <laughs> being human, yuck. <laughs> That's just, I think, the, the end all, be all of it all. Because to top it all off, guess who got diagnosed with carpal tunnel syndrome? <laughs> Listen, I just laugh at this point because bitch is funny. <laughs> I have had a, one incident before this one where like my wrist thumb area was like hurting, but this time around, like my hands started numbing out. And I was like, what in the world is this? And so I went to the doctor again and a girl's got carpal, carpal tunnel and it, it's going. I have my, my wrist in a brace right now. It's immobilized and I'm, I'm on medication for, you know, the next 10 days and braced up for the next four weeks. All that to say, I could switch my name to Negative Nancy and Bitter Betty and Debbie Downer and any other alliteration that potentially exists out there to explain the way I've been feeling for the past <laughs> three months. But, you know, silver lining, the good things in life. I traveled to London and I scratched two things off my bucket list, which were fantastic. One was the Hans Zimmer concert, which Listen, I love me a good score. I love me some Hans Zimmer. Any movie he scores, I just know the movie's going to be 10 times better. The dialogue may be bad. Although I will say, well, I guess he did talk about uh, <laughs> about Dark Phoenix and how that movie flopped. But at least the score was good. And you know what? I agree with that. The movie may be bad but the score is going to be good. I was going to argue that he's never been in a bad movie, but listen, to subjective opinions, there are subjective opinions, but it was the most beautiful thing I have ever witnessed. That's also the music I listen to when I'm reading, obviously fantasy and sci-fi. Could you imagine me listening to Hans Zimmer when I'm reading? <laughs> fucking romance book just casually sitting there and reading people we meet on vacation with the dune soundtrack in the background with interstellar playing in the background fucking confessing their love as you listen to the fucking wonder woman score listen it's 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 just fantasy and sci-fi i promise but it's so good it enhances the experience so much and so Seeing that live, seeing that in person was just life-changing. I'm not even being dramatic when I say that. I've got my little my little sip-up hoodie now, and I wear it all the time. And I've got my videos to remember the good times. And it, oh my god, it was just a beautiful experience. If he ever goes to any city near you or to your city, I would definitely suggest going to see Hans Zimmer because... I cried 
I cried the entire way through. Although that's not a surprise because Mel cries at everything and that's just where we're at. And I also saw Harry Styles, which arguably was not as great an experience as Hans Zimmer. But it's because we were we were in the pit, first of all. Second of all, I've, I've come to realize I've never been in a pit because here in Panama we don't do that. But... I had realized while I was there, this was the fucking worst idea I've ever had. Am I near the man? Is he is he real? Yes, like he's right there and he's beautiful and he sings wonderfully. But I'm short. I'm fucking five feet tall. What did I fucking think was going to happen? I was going to be able to see that man like f fucking front face and just be like, oh my God, hi, Harry. No, everybody is taller than me. It doesn't require a lot of good genetics to be taller than me. I could barely see <laughs> and it was a struggle but I danced I cried when he sang Matilda and it rained during sign of the times and we got medicine and I was my full-on fangirl self he also sang Stockholm Syndrome oh my god it's sweet creature we won like, I'm sorry to say, we won. I know one of the last nights of the tour got best song ever. But honestly speaking, I was just happy with Sweet Creature. So it was a fantastic time. London is honestly a beautiful city. Any city that's walkable, though, like, I, I think my standards are very low. Any city that's walkable, I'm probably going to love because Panama is not a walkable city and it's not a walkable country in general. And I love going to places where I can just walk, that I can bash in the weather. Even if it's raining, I'll fucking pull out my umbrella. I'll walk. I don't care. And so loved my time there with just the ambiance, the city. We found some good food. We found some bad food as well. I'm not I'm not going to lie. There was some bad food we tried, but I, I think it was a bad case of we just probably chose some not good places to go to. And the food was a little bland in some places, but other places though, oh my god, I fucking love. And so had a great time, did some huge damage, I will admit, which was honestly not great because I didn't take into account the conversions, but the damage was done. Bought a lot of books. I have three come book shopping with me that I have yet to upload to my channel. I also have an entire like... I don't even know what to call it. Video essay, reading vlog. Not, it's not really a reading vlog. It's a vlog that I filmed while I was there. And I have also yet to upload that. So the London videos are coming soon because we are pulling ourselves out of the depressy hole. And so that sounds like something else. When I say depressy hole, <laughs> that sounds nasty. And so loads of books were bought. Very excited to show them to y'all eventually. It was great to visit one of my best friends where she lives because I had never, I mean, I'd gone to London before. I just hadn't ever gone to visit her. And so we had the best time while we were there and I want to go again. And hopefully I'll be able to do that at some point because foils, I want to move in there. Foils was my favorite bookstore alongside Blackwells. Foils and Blackwells were just phenomenal. I find that Waterstones, I mean, it's very similar, obviously, to, to Barnes & Noble, which is just like the transposed American version of Waterstones. It's very similar in the sense that the way they organize their books makes no sense. It has a level of categorization, but it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
Except that in foils and blackwells, it makes all the sense. Everything's easy to find. Maybe it's also, I mean, foils is a bit a big bookstore, but the way everything's arranged, I was like, damn, I'm impressed at the level of organization in this bookstore. Like, it was impressive. And with Blackwells, I just think it's a case of it's a smaller bookstore. It's an independent bookstore. So it's always easier. I think in, in my experience, it's always been easier to find books in bookstores like those. And the experience is also unmatched. Also, the cashier was so nice. He gifted me a bunch of bookmarks and a Yellowface, um, what's it called? The little notebook that he had because Yellowface had just come out. And it was very, very wholesome. Awesome. I also found like the the loveliest cashier in foils who told me I had great book taste and I do <laughs> so it was just great I, I think my experience book shopping in London was better than in Miami which to some maybe not a surprise but I found everything I wanted and more and I bought more things than I than I should have and you're going to see it all eventually. And that really is all I've got for you guys today. I just want to make a quick little episode just updating you on where I've been for the past few months, where my mindset has been at, and things that I haven't necessarily discussed in YouTube videos or the times that I have gone on Instagram. So there's that. Not going to make this too long now. Don't forget to subscribe to the pod, follow the pod wherever you listen to your podcasts, that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I am looking to add the pod to other platforms, so stay tuned for that. Now that I'm back, I am planning to rearrange some things, some dynamics, so that we can be, you know, full on, head on, just everywhere, going to attack all of your socials. <laughs> so make sure to follow. And make sure to share it with the people you love, because why the fuck not? <laughs> Unless they don't like swearing, then don't share it with them. But why the fuck not? Share the love, share it with your people, and make sure that they follow the podcast too. Make sure that you rate the pot too, because listen, it'd really help to get some good ratings. It'll validate my feelings of inadequacy. And if you want more Mel, you can you can find me on youtube.com slash melreads if you want to see all bookish lifestyle related things if you want to support all of my socials further i do have a patreon patreon.com slash malreads as well that you'll get everything you'll get early access to youtube videos to podcast episodes you'll get reading sprints to plan with me live shows to catch-ups to movie nights to readathons a discord server literally anything you could potentially imagine it happens over there also typically when i'm gone from my other socials i am not gone from patreon and so i'm just more present there while i regroup and it's always a great community to have and to be in and to be surrounded by because they are amazing and so that's also somewhere you can find me and you know if you don't want to find me anywhere else more power to you and i will see you next week <laughs>